2: post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today
1: welcome to the dell wamsley radio show (laughs) dell challenges the status quo questions everything and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better if you're ready to hear the truth and get your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want the next hour will change your life And now, your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley.
3: Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friends, what I'd like to do is try to expand your understanding of money. My perception of The average person out there is that they have no idea how much money money is and how much more money They could have if they just understood how much money there is out there and how easy it is to obtain it so Why am I doing this particular piece? Well for the last couple of days things have just keep hitting me in the face to say You got to talk about this about how rich people really are and how poor the average person really is and not because I'm coming at it from a point of view from the far-left, socialistic-type point of view that, hey, rich people should give up all their money to poor people, and poor people you know, should uh, have the same thing all rich people have. It's not anything like that. What I'm saying is the reality is, is poor people could have what rich people have if they just understood what rich people understand. And poor people don't understand it. They don't get it. They think small, and that's why they end up small in their financial department. It's just the way it goes. I mean, if you grew up and you are a kid and you grew up and your parents were crackheads, um, I see no reason why not to marry a crackhead. You know, it's just what you grow up with. If you grew up with poor, uh, I see no reason to marry somebody who's poor and who thinks poor. And so on and so on. You go take that to the nth degree, wherever you want to take it. But the reality is, is that people just don't know. So what stimulated this argument in my brain that made me want to bring this up? The first one was seeing this Bezos Space thing with William Shatner going out into space and coming back. To sit there and w- witness a rocket that goes up into space, all the way into high enough space it's considered space, where it's not, there's no gravity, it's out of the Earth's gravitational pull. And for that rocket to drop back down to Earth, the booster, and fall right to the very spot where it took off and then land itself, just blew my mind. Now the capsule coming down. And landing in the desert was also impressive because, you know, for years when I was growing up, the booster fell in the ocean, it was gone, we lost a hundred billion dollars worth of a booster. And when the spaceship came back, you know, and the where the people were at, and that part fell into the ocean. It took ships and people and incredible amount of effort to get it back out. This thing that just fell right back down to Earth with parachutes and they came and picked it up with a truck. I mean, it's just insane. That is Bezos wealth. How rich do you have to be to invent something that even NASA couldn't invent? It just blows your mind how rich these guys are. And for them to be able to take and have personal spaceflight, again, it's just beyond your imagination of how wealthy these guys are. But before that, a day or two, I had read an article about Tillman Fatita. For those of you who don't know who Tillman Fatita is, he's a guy that grew up here in Houston, born in Galveston, and he bought some rickety old restaurants and. Brought him up and made him worthwhile. Then he bought some other restaurant chains out during the recession when everybody's going broke in 2008. He bought up about four or five different restaurant chains across the country, and really made a name for himself. Then he bought, started buying casinos, and he bought a bunch of different casinos, and each one made him wealthier and wealthier and wealthier. And finally, he bought one out of foreclosure, which was Donald Trump's casino. He bought it out of bankruptcy and foreclosure, and uh, took it over and turned it around. So now this guy is just rich as can be, and he buys the Houston Rockets. And everything he does, he's going into debt for. Now he's sitting there with about $4.6 according to this article I'm reading right in front of me. And they, they define it as when the pandemic hit, it said this time around, Fatita could have ended up going broke. Remember, compared to 2008 recession when he actually got rich. During the recession, by the way, I tripled my net worth during the same two years that Fatita, became, you know, much richer. I'm not comparing myself to Fatita. Don't go there. But I just know that 2008, when everything went down very, very low in price, everybody else was losing all their money, rich people and successful people could come in and buy it with that even. So you could even borrow the money to go buy the stuff 50 cents on the dollar. And he said, but this time around, Fatita could have ended up going broke under a $4.6 billion in debt accumulated to build his empire. So right then and there, you talk about for 30 years I've been telling people that debt is good and other people tell you debt is bad. Dave Ramsey will tell you debt is bad, 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 bad. The reason Dave Ramsey says debt is bad is because Dave Ramsey lost everything he had by having debt. He didn't know how to deal with debt. And because he didn't know how to deal with it, it took him down and now he's afraid of it and he teaches everybody just to be afraid of debt. It goes on and says, but instead, he's getting richer by making use of this era's hottest financial trend, the Special Purpose Acquisition Company, or SPAC. Thanks to creative SPAC financing and what appears to be some serious self-dealing, in other words, he sold his company back to himself, Fertitta was already increased his net worth. Forbes estimated it went from $4.1 billion a year ago to $6.3 billion today. So think about this. Most of us will never even be able to live a billion seconds in our life. A billion is a thousand million. And yet, he made two billion in one year. Fatita hopes to close on his fifth SPAC deal, the biggest transaction of his career, in which he will offload most of his Landry's holdings, including his five Golden Nug Casinos, more than 500 restaurants, and a billion dollars in debt to the rechristened Fatita Entertainment SPAC. If all goes planned, he'll end up with 74% stake, in other words, he'll own 74% of it, worth more than $4 billion in the new public company, and a personal net worth of $8 billion, gone up another $2 billion. Landry's restaurant brands included Bubba Gump, McCormick & Schmidt, and Palm & Rainforest Cafe. SPACs, of course, are publicly traded shell companies that raise money to facilitate a future merger with an unnamed private company that might not have the heft or the patience to do the traditional initial public offering. With all the scrutiny, that federal scrutiny that is entailed in a public startup, SPACs have boomed the last two years, thanks in no small part to all the cheap money and the Federal Reserve is pumped into the economy. From just 59 deals raised $14 billion in 2019, SPAC's offerings are now 248, raised an $83 billion in 2020, and 443 raised $127 more in 2021. While everybody else is going broke and starving, Fertita went from $4.1 billion to $8.2 billion in net worth. Now he goes on later in this thing when in they were interviewing him, he says, you know, I just went from a hundred and fifty-four foot yacht to a two hundred and fifty-two foot yacht, hundreds of millions of dollars. He's got that's his fifth yacht, he has five yachts now. He asked, Well, do you charter out your smaller yacht, the fourth number four? He says, No, if you can if you have to charter your yacht, you shouldn't you can't afford to have one. Don't get one if you have to charter it out. Does this irritate anybody? No, it shouldn't. He's done it. And he's done it with the laws the US allows. Although there is a lot of self-dealing here, and there's a lot of people looking at this now to see if it's legal, because it's simply what he's doing is he's selling his companies that are debt-ridden to create them, selling them to another company to get rid of the debt, a public company, which is equity instead of debt. And he gets out from underneath of the debt and picks up the equity on the other side of the deal. I actually have people that I know that do something similar to this in real estate deals, but it's not exactly the same. This is far and above More impressive. And impressive could be said um, aggressive. It may not be impressive to you. It may be aggressive. But the bottom line is what I'm getting to right now is that billionaires think differently than the rest of us. And when we come back from break, I want to tell you the story about my first introduction to the billionaire world and how they think and why they think the way they think and what I learned from that and what it did for me in my future. And when we go through that, I think you're going to be able to see. Now, some of you have heard me tell this story before, but I've got more to go with it, and I'm going to twist in some other stuff. So you want to be back. Now, from the files of Dell Wamsley. Big assets, large apartment complexes, expensive homes, massive amounts of real estate. They're hedging inflation because real estate is a inflation-hedged asset. It goes up when everything else goes up. Now, the reason why real estate is so good as a hedge is because unlike gold, which may go up and down with the value as inflation occurs, it doesn't put off any income. Real estate is producing income. It's producing rental income for the people that are doing it the right way. So whether or not my asset goes up or whether it doesn't, I'm hedged because I'm going to get income either way. Now, if there's massive inflation, then my asset keeps up with inflation. If there's not massive inflation, or even if there's a recession, whereas the real estate values go down, I can keep my real estate and rent it and make money with it. Now, the people that didn't and couldn't do that before were either not renting their properties, or they had purchased them for such a high price that they would not cash flow, even if the rents had, in any way, shape, or form, gone down any amount. Coming right back with the Dell Wamsey Radio Show.
2: minimum of 4 lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due $35 per line connection charge applies ctmobile.com
1: welcome back now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire america one person at a time Dal Wamsley.
3: The radio show. Today I'm talking about the fact that the reason most people cannot become wealthy is because they do not understand money. And they have no conception of how much money people who understand money are really making. Not even close. They can't even wrap their arms around it in any way, shape, or form. So when you look at the situation, I wanted to bring you to a story that where I've met my first billionaire. Before I do, I've got to give you a prelude to that about a a meeting I had with a guy at Lifestyles Unlimited. The guy came in to meet me, it was an initial consultation, and uh, I said, so what do you want to do? And the guy goes, I want to make a million bucks. I want to have a million dollars. And I go, okay, great, not a problem. Let's take a look at where we're starting from. What do you have to start with? He goes, and proudly announced, I have $100,000 saved up. And I go, that's pretty good. I said, "Um, okay. Let's think about this for a second. What system have you used to collect this $100,000? He well, I've been saving my whole life and putting the money into 401K and IRA or whatever. and You had all this traditional investments. And I said, okay, real good. So let's just think about this for a second. You have $100,000 and you want to make it a $1 million. Well, a $1 million is a thousand thousand. You have hundred dollars Of that thousand. You need nine hundred thousand more. You need nine times what you have now. I said, How long have you been saving to get this hundred thousand dollars? He goes, forty years. I said, Okay. So forty years of doing what you've done got you a hundred thousand dollars and then you need nine times that. I said, sir, you're not gonna live that long. He said, then what am I doing here? I said, what you're doing here is to realize that everything you are doing is useless. It is not going to get you where you want to be. And that I know you're proud as you can be that you're hooked up to your 401k with your company and you're saving away as much as they'll let you save away. I know that makes you feel proud and that you can tell your kids and your wife and your friends and everybody that you are fully invested in your 401k. But it doesn't mean squat. Squat. So let me explain to you. I bought a house for $25,000, right? With that $25,000, I put $2,000 down. The house paid me $2,500 a year. So for $2,000, I made over 100% a year in cash flow. When I sold the house for $50,000 and I had bought it for 25, I'd made $25,000 on a $2,000 investment. That's thousands of percent return. Now, I not only did that one house, I did over 100 houses, single-family units, single-family duplexes and fourplexes—over over 100 units. I said, that's how I became a millionaire. I never saved a million dollars. You can't save a million dollars in your lifetime, but you can make a million dollars. And so I had this discussion with him. And I said the next deal I did, I bought next larger deal I did, I bought a ten unit, five duplex property, paid two hundred thousand dollars for it with twenty five thousand dollars down. That property paid two thousand dollars a month positive cash flow for about three years, about twenty four thousand a year on a twenty five thousand dollar investment, about a hundred percent cash flow a year. And at the end of three years we sold it. And uh, I had started with five partners. I bought them all out. There's only me and one other partner. We sold it for four hundred fifty thousand bucks. So that four hundred fifty thousand dollars, we paid two hundred thousand for it. We made two hundred fifty thousand dollar capital gain on a twenty five thousand dollar investment. That's a thousand percent return. I said that's how I became a millionaire. And then I went on to describe other deals that I've done, but the point was is that I have this money not because I saved anything, but because I aggressively went out and made money. Large, high rates of return. Rule number three. And if you don't know the three rules, rule one is don't lose money. Rule two, there's got to be cash flow. And rule three, you can't get rich slow. And so I proceeded to take this guy through this diatribe and lecture him on how to get rich. Now... Let's switch over to the other story. The other story is for some period in my life, past 40 years of age, I was already a multimillionaire. And I was trying to figure out what a multimillionaire became after a multimillionaire. So you're a multimillionaire at 10 million. You're a multimillionaire at 25 million. You're a multimillionaire at 50 million. You're still only a multimillionaire at 75 million. And at 100 million, you're still only a multimillionaire. You're nowhere. And so I was frustrated. I said, how do you become a billionaire? So I went to look around to find out how to be a billionaire. And you know, there are books about billionaires, but there are no books on how to become a billionaire because no billionaire will tell you what he's doing. Right? Now, a lot of millionaires take what they know and teach it to other people, make millions off of selling you what they did. All right? That's educational information that's sold. But billionaires won't tell you what they do to be billionaires. They just do it. While everybody else is out there teaching it, or trying to legislate it, these guys are out there doing it. So I had a friend that knew a billionaire. And I said, is there any way you could introduce me to this guy? And he said, let me find out. I'll check out. And he got back with the guy, and the guy said, yeah, I'll meet you. Now, the guy lived in California, but he used to live in Houston where I live. And this guy invented this thing called the traffic helicopters. And he became a billionaire with this concept and took it all over the country about these drive-time traffic helicopters until now they have cameras everywhere. But he's already a billionaire. And the guy had to fly into town for some legal work he was doing here. With, I think it was on his divorce or something. And he talked him into stopping by to see me. And so I met him for breakfast. When I got there, he drove up in a limo. When he got out of the limo, he had this like $200,000 Rolex watch on. that was bigger than my arm. Shoes and clothes, you could tell, that were immaculate. Cost just massive money. He had a dark tan, and he was in fabulous condition, which means he's rich enough to have enough time to work out and to get in the sun and to live life wonderfully. As he got out, he was met by a bodyguard that opened the door for him, and you could tell it was packing. You could tell he was heavy. And he was the sheriff of Harris County, which is where we live. Wow, that's a great bodyguard, the sheriff of the county. He came in and sat down with me the restaurant. It was nice. He shook my hand, and I couldn't believe it. Firm, looked you right in the eyes, and yet the nicest guy in the world. Rich people have no reason not to be nice. They've got everything. They have enough to give away, and they're not always worried everybody's trying to take it away. But this guy was really nice. He sat down with me, and we proceeded to order some breakfast, and then we started to have the conversation. We're going to go to break. If you'll hang out past this break and come back, I'll tell you the first thing a billionaire ever taught me you won't
1: believe it. Del Wamsley on how to live the lifestyle.
3: I've lived through rent reductions, but I've never seen a rent reduction that was so low that I couldn't pay the mortgage payment on my property. Now I've seen people had vacancies that were so high they couldn't pay a mortgage payment. But that's because they don't live by the rule best product, best price. They have a really, really poor piece of rental property in bad repair, terrible condition. They don't maintain it. And so people don't want to live there. And when it gets where the market is soft at all, those bottom pieces of real estate, what we used to call Class D properties, which they don't even call them that anymore because there's hardly very many of them left anymore, those places go empty because people could afford to move up into a little bit better property now as the rents came down. We'll be right back with the Dell Womsey Radio Show. Now with the
1: MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed.
3: Follow the action with Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google
1: Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free. From the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time. Dell Wamsley.
3: Welcome back to Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Today I'm talking about the fact that most Americans aren't rich because they don't understand money. They don't understand how much money there is out there. They don't understand how easy it is to get to that money. And they have no expectations, very low expectations of what they can't have in their life. So I'm sitting here with this billionaire at breakfast. For those of you just now tuning in, I had uh, asked my friend to get me in touch with a billionaire. I'd never met a billionaire before. And I was frustrated by the fact that I had been looking to try to find a way to become a billionaire, There are no courses on being a billionaire. There are no books on being a billionaire. There are books about billionaires, but none about how to become one. So I'm sitting there with a billionaire, and I'm excited as can be, you know. And the guy goes, so how can I help you? And, you know, he's flown in. He's flown in to do business for his own situation, believe it or not. But, you know, he just could break away for breakfast with me. And he said, how can I help you? And I said, look, I'd like to know how to become a billionaire. And he goes, okay, let's take a look at the map you have on becoming a billionaire. He said, first of all, where are you starting from? I said, hey, I can come up with 10 million right now. He goes, okay, that's not bad, 10 million. And he said, how many years did it take you to get that 10 million? And I said, well, I'm about 50 years old. So I've been working at it for, say, 30 years since I was 20. He said, okay, 10 million, 20, 30 years. Not bad. So let's take a look at that in perspective. In perspective, there's 1,000 million to a billion. You have 10. You only need 990 million more. Now, it took you 30 years to get your first 10. Do you think you're going to get 990 million more doing real estate deals like you're doing them now? And I just. I sank right there in the seat. It was like I melted. Because it was so obvious. I had created an investment system, a theory, a belief, a controlling mindset that would make me a millionaire. By continuing to do it from age thirty-two when three, whatever I became a millionaire, it made me worth ten million. And yet there was no hope of ever becoming more. So I went away from that and I thought about it seriously, and I said, you know what? i got to do something different. So I went out and I made friends with a guy named John Ridgway, who was at the time vice president of the second largest property management company in the country. I said, look, i got to go out there and buy a bunch of properties. And I just don't have the energy nor the understanding or the willingness or the desire to go out there and work every day. I'm re- retired since I'm 32 years old. I'm 50. I don't want to go back to work. So what I want to do is I'm going to partner with you. You do all the work. I'll put up all the money, and I'll sign for all the debt. And I'll raise all the capital, and we'll syndicate these things, and we'll do five deals in a year or two. And that would be enough for you to retire. And that would be enough for me to double my net worth or triple my net worth or whatever and actually do something in the next year and a half, two years to change my life. And he agreed only after his company fired him. (laughs) He said, yeah, I worked on him for a year, year and a half. He finally agreed to do it. But about a month after he agreed to do it, his company fired him. Just laid him off, said, hey, I'm sorry, we're downsizing, which dumped him into my arms right away, and we had to get going, so we started buying properties. And lo and behold, 2007, 2008 came about, and the world collapsed. And between 2008 and 2009, we bought like five properties, and I'm telling you, we bought them at like $0.80 on the dollar, $0.70 on the dollar, $0.60 on the dollar, $0.50 on the dollar, $0.40 on the dollar. Just The prices just kept going down, and while everybody else got scared, I kept buying. We kept by, and the short story to it was, over the next five years, over the next three years from 2007 to 2010, I tripled my net worth, so that 10 million became 30 million in cash, and I don't mean just net worth. I'm saying that was cash in the bank, 30 million bucks, cash. Still owned real estate. Still owned all my businesses. Still owned my companies. And a man, one conversation with one guy changed my point of view to triple my net worth. And I thought to myself, could I do that again? Could I go from 30 million to 90 million to 100 million? And at that point, I realized I could. So I started looking at all of my different businesses. And I took Lifestyles, which was just in Texas, and I expanded to the whole nation doubling the size of lifestyles in just a year or two. And I took an open real estate companies. We now have real estate companies in five different states instead of just one. Five times as many real estate companies as I had before. Now, I haven't gotten to where all this massive expansion has really peaked as far as income for me. It has increased it, yes. But it hasn't done those big, giant capital gain punches yet. Because that has to wait till you go to the other end, to whether you refinance the money out or you sell it or whatever you do to get that big, giant capital gains. But just like Fertitta, what he did was he bought and bought and bought and bought and bought and started and started and started and started, started business and business and business and business, until one day he had this conglomeration of businesses that he just put it all together and sold it back to himself so he could take it public and pull all the money out. That's what he did. And so I'm sitting here going, hmm... Should I be learning something from this? You know, I'm accumulating all these companies and all these businesses. Should I be learning something from this that maybe I can accumulate 25 to 50 different businesses? I bought, in the last six months, six businesses, real estate-related. I have another one closing here at the end of October. That'll be seven. And I guess I can keep doing that for the next year or two or three, and... Somewhere along the line, I got a billion dollars worth of businesses. And then what do you do? You bundle them all up and sell them to a SPAC and walk away with a billion dollars in net worth with no debt because you sold all the debt with the companies. That's what Fatita did. So by reading one article, it gave me the insight that billionaires will not give you. That us measly poor little millionaires... Have no idea how to do until some big, giant billionaire slipped up and bragged about it. And I actually don't think he even bragged about it. He wouldn't tell people. They actually just found it out and wrote about it. They were interviewing him about his yacht, his fifth yacht, his fifth yacht that went from 150 foot to 250 foot that's worth 250 million bucks, man. I wish I had $250 ever, let alone my fifth yacht. (laughs) Is that jealousy speaking? You better believe it is. Is it logic speaking? Absolutely. I do know this. His knowledge base of how to make money is larger and greater than mine. And with every little tidbit of new information, my ability to grow my businesses expands. But think about you. I started with a single house. I moved on to a 10-unit, a 20-unit, a 40-unit, a 64-unit, a 68-unit, an 88-unit, unit, unit, a 104-unit, a 144-unit, a 208-unit, 258-unit, a 272-unit, and a 320-unit. That's the largest apartment complex I ever bought was 320 units. And then I went back down and, and went the other way. But the other time when I went back down, there was no more syndications. It was all mine. I started buying smaller ones, but they're all mine. So the bottom line is, I got up to this very, very high net worth that I never dreamed I could have ever touched the day I was sitting at that desk with that gentleman because of what he told me. But now with this fatigue thing, with watching them send spaceships into space and drop them down and land them like a plane, I realized that I'd been thinking small. And today on this radio show, I hope I've got you to understand you're thinking small. Way too small for your family. Forget about yourself. Do it for your family. I mean, I wish I could tell you what my wife wants for her birthday, for Christmas, for anniversaries. But I can't. It's
1: not just the money. It's the lifestyle. Here's
3: Dell Wamsley. Will the U.S. housing shortage get worse? this article contends that before we see the value of real estate going down again we're going to see it go up much much more and they're contending it on a group of facts that prove out that there is a shortage now and they believe even larger shortage in the future and if they're right now we can come to the conclusion that wow How can real estate values go down if there's not enough real estate for the demand that's out there? The demand is higher than the supply, so the value has got to go up. The price has got to go up. So where do you go with that? You've got two different driving forces, both saying that housing prices are going up and housing prices are gonna go up to the point where, may they get to the point where people can't afford housing. And then you ask yourself, well, what will the government do? We don't know what the government to do we have no idea but we know there's not enough housing we'll take a short break be right back with my national mentor talking about where we're at today
1: welcome back now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America one person at a time Dell Wamsley
3: welcome back to Dell Wamsley radio show today we've been discussing How the very fact that you don't understand how much money there is out there, how easy it is to get to it, how little you have, how low your expectations are in life, how those mindsets are what are really holding you back. The real fact is, is that the information necessary to go out there and become a millionaire is out there. We have it. Other people probably have it. And the bottom line is, it's not that hard to do. Most of our members look at a two to five year retirement plan when they join up. And to get them started, we have to get them indoctrinated. And to do that, we have a two-day class, and also for those of you that can't do two full days, we have a four-half-a-day class. And one of the presenters that does this on a national basis is with us today, and this is Mr. Lee Reeves. Welcome to the show, Lee.
0: Thank you, Dale. Thanks for having me on.
3: You were an attorney at one time. I always love to tell you a story. You had spent a lot of time to get a good education. You had a great job in New York. You were in the, the Big Apple. You would made it. and yet I
0: had, yeah.
3: And yet it wasn't enough. And so now you've come back, you came to Houston, you made it in Houston, and then you made enough money to decide to go where you wanted to live. And so invest where you need to and live where you want to became your motto. And you moved away and became a national consultant for some mentor and or teacher, mostly teacher and presenter. How do you see the world now? I haven't seen you in a while, but what's going on with you?
0: It has been a little while. And so, yes, I started up in New York as an attorney. And what I realized uh, really soon after starting, but it took me a while to figure out the next step was that I knew I would always do okay, but that I would never be wealthy doing what I was doing. Certain life events happened, and I started to uh, look for another way. And I found Lifestyles, ultimately moved down to Texas, which at the time seemed important. Today, it's really not, because we've got people that live all over the country. And as you mentioned, uh, we were down in, in Houston for about seven years, but have now since moved to the Nashville area of Tennessee closer to where I grew up. And so it really is true that uh, you live where you want and invest where it makes sense. And we teach you how to do that step by step. And I am one of the two-day presenters and the four-part presenters. uh, It's four evenings over two weeks. And uh, what we found is that people absorb information different ways. Some like to do it over a weekend, some uh, fit it better uh, virtually over several evenings. And, uh, y- you know, we all start at the same starting place after that class. And uh, we either choose to go into single-family or, or into multifamily. And, uh, and there's a lot of opportunity, uh, but you've got to start somewhere, and that's where we start, people.
3: Well, it's very important that they do have that starting point. We had a guy who came in the other day and literally somehow got through not taking the, the two-day and moved up into one of the consulting positions he was just dumbfounded he, he had no idea what to do and just he thought that we should be wow. sitting there helping him every inch of the way which really meant what he wanted us to do was everything he learned over 16 hours he wanted us to teach to him over the phone which is got not <laughs> possible we'd have to charge you like eighty thousand dollars to go through you know 16 hours with the stuff personally but yeah. by doing it in classroom you can bring it down to a very reasonable price so uh, they've got to get a doctorate. they got to understand the base right that's very very important The couple things I want to ask you is this, because this is what's different since I've been doing any of it, and that is, what is it like on the national basis, when you teach on the national basis? How would people react to that?
0: really, really cool to get people weighing in. And and on the fourth part, it's all virtual, right? So everybody's sitting uh, in the comfort of their home dialing in. And I've got to try to make it interesting enough so that they stay focused. But we do that because not everybody can make it down to Texas or or others. But listen, I mean, we've got a couple great things uh, coming up all across the country. And I'd like to run through some of those if that's okay, Dale.
3: Yeah, I want to follow up, though, before you start with saying We have offices in more than just Texas. We have them in other states, too, now. And uh, we have seminars in other states all over the country. So you don't always have to go to Houston or to Dallas or to San Antonio or to Austin or to Corpus Christi. You know, you got Phoenix. What are the ones on the East Coast we've done? We've done them all over. Didn't we do Indiana, Michigan?
0: Oh, yeah. In- Indianapolis and in Detroit and in Baltimore and in Jacksonville and Atlanta and Phoenix and and in Colorado. I mean, we're all over Utah.
3: Northwest Didn't we do Coast one in well? Utah?
0: Yes, we did just a couple months ago. Absolutely. So I
3: wanted to make that yeah, clear to people that we are all over the country, and it's not just Texas and hasn't been for quite a few years. So go ahead, That's pick true. up there. What you're talking about the national? What is different about the people when you talk to them on a national basis as to just a local basis?
0: Well, I, the difference really is that uh, it's, it, on a local basis, everybody knows their market. What people are sometimes surprised to find out is how easy it is to invest in other markets the way we teach. And I think that that is, in fact, I do little polls in my forepart uh, in the evenings, and that was one of the highest uh, you know, vote-getters in that poll of how easy it was if you do it the way we teach it.
3: Makes sense. What else yeah. is going on?
0: Well, let me tell you, if you are interested at all in uh, checking us out, we've got some free workshops coming up. And uh, I'll just run through those really quickly, and then I want you to go to uh, LifestylesUnlimited.com to check out a a, a date that works for you. But Friday, October 15th at noon, and Tuesday, October 19th at 6.30, and and Thursday, October uh, 21st at 8.30. That's a free workshop that describes the five ways we make money in real estate. And you can see how the numbers really work in single family and multifamily. That's lifestylesunlimited.com. And then we have a case study coming up. I think the next one is actually in Houston on Thursday, November 4th. That's at 6 p.m. And uh, what we're doing, and you don't have to be in Houston, by the way. You can dial in on the Facebook page, I believe and on the website as well to see that. And then, Dell, you mentioned the two-day and the four-part. I'll just mention a couple that hey, we league, have coming they're up.
3: They're taking us off the air, man. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate yes. you sharing your time.
0: Now
1: more intel to build a better lifestyle from Dell Wamsley.
3: The recession of 87, that's when I became rich the first time. That was my first level of wealth. But then when we got into 2008 and nine, that recession is when I tripled my wealth in a year or two. That was just a massive massive gain in my net worth for me talking about this ever rising tide in real estate it may sound like i'm telling you you should buy real estate because of the rising tide but it's really not i really don't care about the tide the tide can rise and rise and rise and rise and what i own becomes worth more and more and more and more in just a short period of time the government could do something that would change the value of real estate again He said, Well, then why aren't you worried about that? Because I don't buy real estate simply as a hedge to inflation. But remember, it's not the money, it's the lifestyle. See you tomorrow.
2: We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone
1: 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch.